Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. November 13th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes, our tribe beat writer. Hoynesy, it's, uh, it's Freaky Friday, right? Uh, Friday the 13th. Freaky Friday, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I didn't even realize it, but uh, Jose Ramirez gets the participation trophy. The, uh, the uh, pat on the back did not come home with the, uh, the big <laughs> prize in the American League, the AL MVP. Uh, finished second, uh, which is his highest finish in his uh, three times being a finalist, uh, but did not uh, have enough votes to overtake Jose Abreu. I believe Abreu got, what, 21 out of a possible 30 first place votes. Jose got got eight. Um, yeah. Not mistaken. Yeah, he, he, I think Jose had a, like 307 points. Mm-hmm. I think in uh, Abreu, what, 370 maybe? Or three, maybe not. I think I don't think he had that many, but it was fairly close. It was DJ DJ LeMahieu finished third, and uh, we'll get to Shane Bieber finishing fourth uh, ahead of Mike Trout uh, in, in a minute or two. But you know, just back to Jose Ramirez, uh, really just the the season he put together, the the way he carried the Indians, uh, well deserving of the recognition of being a finalist, well deserving of being a, a runner up. Uh, do you think that the voters got it right this time? Uh, you know, I, I voted for it. I, you know, I voted for the MVP and I voted for, here's my uh, 10, here's how I voted, Joe. I'll, I'll give people my ballot. Uh, you know, I voted for Jose Ramirez, uh, Abreu, Bieber, LeMahieu, LeMahieu, uh, Trout, Tim Anderson, Luke Voigt, Nelson Cruz, Brandon Lowe, and Eddie Rosario. Those were my 10, 10 picks for the MVP. I thought Jose, I really love the way he just you know, you rarely see one guy carry a team into the postseason, and this guy did it. I thought he had a great September. I thought probably it was really close between Jose Abreu and Ramirez. You know, Abreu obviously, like we've talked about before, I think had the more, you know, consistent season. But I thought Ramirez, when his team needed him the most, you know, really came through with a great September, a great last couple weeks of the season. And to me, I thought that swung it in, in Jose uh, Ramirez's favor. If, if the season goes 162 games instead of the 60, do you think Jose Ramirez has a better chance or a worse chance of overtaking Jose Abreu for that, that award? You know, I probably, you know, from my heart of hearts, I would think probably a less of a chance because he's become such a streaky hitter. You know, he's not the guy that we saw in 2017 where, you know, kind of a wire-to-wire guy. You know, he's really become streaky. And I'm, I'm sure he would have hit, you know, a, a cold patch in there and would have, Bra- you know, Brahu two years ago during the full season led the league in, in uh, RBIs. He did it again this year. He's probably a little more consistent. 
but I think you've got to give Jose Ramirez probably the edge defensively, you know, because he can move around. He's a switch hitter, um, you know, so he can do a lot of things, and he's still an RBI guy, but it would have been close. But if 162 games, I'd probably give it to Jose Abreu. I, I would think he'd come out on top. Ramirez also runs the bases a lot better, and that's another factor that, that's also yeah, in there. Just, uh, but I just love the way he plays all out. It just, you know, it's nothing – there's not a it's not a half step in his – in his psyche. Yeah, he's, he's fun to watch no matter no matter when he gets out there. Uh, I, I agree about the, the 162. Uh, I think uh, Ramirez probably as hot as he was there at the end of the year, uh, teams would have started making adjustments. He wouldn't have started. He would have – they would have pitched around him, uh, you know, after another month of that. Uh, he probably wouldn't have seen anything straight, and he wouldn't have seen anything in the strike zone, especially considering the way the Indians' offense struggled. And he didn't really have uh, guys around him in the order to protect him uh, very much. Uh, you know, Carlos Santana batting fourth behind him was a black hole. So, uh, yeah, I don't think the numbers would have stayed consistently as, as ridiculous as they were to get him to where he was at the end of the, uh, the month of September. But, uh, you know, there, there would have had to have been a, a bit of a drop off there. Uh, but still, that's not to take away from anything he did. He just uh, – he – as a, as a pull hitter, he, he just, you know, dominated from both sides of the plate. He was able to, to figure things out, to start hitting the ball fair, uh, you know, keeping it between the lines and, and, and driving it to do damage all season long. Yeah, I love the uh, breakdown by Tom Verducci on MLB uh, Network last night. He showed, you know, Ramirez in August when he was just a little early and he was, you know, making – his best contact and, and, and pulling the ball foul, hitting everything foul. And if you remember, you know, that's what Francona was saying. Terry mm -hmm. Francona spent a lot of time saying, you know, he's, have, he's having his best swings, but he's hitting it foul. You know, every, his best swings, the balls are going foul. And then in September, he waited just, you know, a tick more. And all that hard contact started to find, you know, fair territory or go over the fence. I, I thought that was a great breakdown. Right. And so, you know, just looking at the, the way that the voters approached it, uh, it looks like they did reward him for, uh, you know, having that uh, explosive end of the season. Uh, DJ LeMahieu, uh, they, they sort of, they gave him, uh, what, I think he got one first place vote, uh, leading the, winning his batting title in, in now, now in both leagues. He's won at Coors Field and he's won at Yankee Stadium, I guess, uh, you know, take that for what it's worth. Maybe that was a, a factor in, in, in his not getting as many first-place votes. Uh, but then behind LeMahieu, you had Shane Bieber. Uh, Shane Bieber, the Indians pitcher, uh, finishing fourth with 172 points. Uh, Mike Trout, the, uh, I guess, perennial uh, MVP finalist, uh, finishes in fifth, one point behind Bieber. Uh do you think the, the, the voters got it right by at least recognizing Bieber as a, an MVP quality season? Yeah, I think they do. They did, Joe. I, obviously, I voted for Bieber third, so and that was a tough choice. You know, I thought I love LeMahieu. You know, he he you know he kind of tore the Indians' heart out in the uh, in the wild card postseason. Uh, great hitter. Uh, you know, his what he hit three sixty four. I think led the big leagues in batting average. Um, but I thought Bieber, you know, and I usually don't do this. I, I am not a, a big believer in pitchers, you know, you know, getting, collecting votes in the MVP. 
But if, if you look at these things, I mean, the Indians were 10 and two in Bieber's starts. They won what, 30 games, right? They won 35 games. Right, so that's 35. a big wins. You know, he faced 297 batters, you know, in, in whatever, 12 or 13 starts. You know, Ramirez, Jose Ramirez had 200, 254 plate appearances. So, and Abreu, you know, had 262 plate appearances in 60 games. So, you know, I think you, you can, I don't know if you can equate, you know, batter's face and plate appearances, but, you know, this, I think he's more than just a, a guy that takes the mound every five days. I thought, and that kind of pushed him into the forefront for me. And, and his teammates have said as much, you know, that you, you look at the maturity and the leadership that he, he provided, you know, and, and just the way that he even celebrated his Cy Young uh, award with his family surrounding and really just sort of wanting other people to enjoy the moment with him. Uh, I, I think Shane Bieber gives you a lot more than just, you know, the innings pitched and the strikeouts. He, he's, he gives you sort of the, the hope that your, your staff is, is doing that, is, is still going in that uh, same direction. Uh, he gave the Indians confidence enough to trade away Mike Clevenger, Trevor Bauer, and Corey Kluber. So uh, I, I guess that it, if it's good enough for them, it should be good enough for the voters. Uh, were there any voting anomalies or, you know, uh, you know, things that, that, that seemed a little odd to you uh, from the, the list of votes and in the AL or the NL um, uh, MVP votes? I thought, you know, I didn't really inspect the uh, National League voting, the breakdown, but I thought the, Nash, the American League, uh, you know, went pretty, pretty well as expected, I thought. Uh, there was, a, you know, what uh, I think uh, Abreu, Ramirez, uh, and LeMahieu were all named on this, and Tim Anderson were all on, were named on every ballot. Named on every uh, ballot, yes. So, you know, I thought that, and maybe, and uh, <clears throat> maybe, you know, I thought maybe Cruz, Nelson Cruz would finish a little higher than he did, but it was a tough ballot. You know, when you've got Mike Trout at fifth, you know, where do you fit Cruz in there? So it was, you know, there was some talent. It was a, it was a tough, uh, tough ballot to fill out. There was a... Uh, what did the, you, did you see anything in the news? I, I just the, the one in the nad the, the one vote in the nad in the American League that sort of stuck out to me uh, Alex Verdugo of the Red Sox got a fifth place vote and so he finished with six total points but he got a a fifth place vote and I thought that was that was kind of interesting somebody thought that highly of Alex Verdugo's season uh, that he did uh, you know finish that high uh, as far as the National League MVP uh, it went to Freddie Freeman. Uh, the first baseman in uh, Atlanta and his season, obviously that was a, a, a huge story there because he opened the season uh, dealing with COVID, uh, you know, symptoms. And uh, he managed to get his, his way back and, and get on the field and, and perform at the highest level. Yeah, he definitely, uh, you know, two first basemen win the uh, MVP and one in each league. Uh, and Freeman had, well, just, you know, integral part of that great, that great Atlanta offense. And, um, you know, just, uh, just, you know, I, you know, well-deserved. You know, I, I thought the emotion both guys showed after they got, you know, after the awards were announced, the winners were announced, it really shows you that, you know, what, what it means to these guys, you know, it's not just all about money and, and uh, 
who get who gets paid the most and and uh you know who hits the most home runs it's it's you know it, it means something when when you're the, you know the mvp of the league not only of your team but of the league i mean abreu i thought i, I didn't know if he was ever going to he got his head went down and you never saw him again he was so overcome with emotion and the same with freeman it was it was it just it was it, it made you uh, – I, I think it just showed you the importance of the awards to each of these guys. When, uh, when the votes were revealed in the National League, uh, it really turned out to be Freddie Freeman in a runaway. Uh, he got 28 of the 31st place votes. Mookie Betts of the Dodgers got, got two, uh, 21 votes for second place. Uh, but Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis were third and fourth. And, uh, you know, Machado finished with 221. Uh, Tatis finished with 201. Uh, really, that was sort of the discussion heading into this was, did, did the, the voters screw up by not, uh, you know, valuing what Tatis had done earlier in the season a little higher? Uh, but then you look at, at Juan Soto from the Nationals, and he was probably, you know, one of the best hitters in all of baseball this past season. Uh, he finished, what, fifth ahead of Mar Marcelo Zuna in the National League. So uh, I, I think... It, it, in total, on the whole, I think the Baseball Writers Association got all of the major awards. They, they went to who the, the people who deserved them the most. Yeah, I don't think there was any big shockers there. I think, uh, you know, and, and it would have been cool if Mookie got in there because he would have been the first, what, two-time MVP, one in, one in the American League and one in the National League since uh, Frank Robinson. Since Frank so Robinson, yeah. That would have been cool, but... But, you know, I think Freeman deserved it. I, 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 what do you, uh, just as a quick aside, we talk about uh, renaming these awards as that's a, something that the association tabled for uh, a, a later date uh, for discussion. Uh, do you think Frank Robinson's name is, is one that should, could get some momentum, uh, you know, to go on the award to replace uh, uh, the, the former um, uh, commissioner, uh, Kennesaw Mountain Landis, whose name was taken off the award for reasons? Yeah, I think racial injustice and, and, and whatnot. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. You know, uh, you know, uh, 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 Robbie won it in both leagues. You know, he was the first black manager um, in, 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 in the big leagues. Um, you know, I just think that would be, that, that's a fitting name for the, uh, a fitting name for the award. And, you know, we've heard some, uh, uh, Bob Nightingale wrote a story about, you know, uh, promoting Josh Gibson. Um, mm -hmm name on the award, the great uh, Negro League catcher and power hitter that really never got, that never got a chance to play in the big leagues and his name should be on the award as well. So I think, uh, you know, there, there's a, there's a lot of uh, great choices. Uh, I think if I had to make a choice, I'd go with uh, Frank Robinson, but uh, you know, I, I'm sure it'll come up to, as a vote for the BBWA and uh, they really can't go wrong. I, I'm sure they'll, you know, and there'll be more candidates, I'm sure. Right, and there will be, uh, you know, people who have a, a background about each candidate who, who defend each one and, and make a case for it, and, and, and we'll see what we, uh, what we come up with and what we decide. Hey, I wanted to uh, jump into our subtext uh, readers' responses. Uh, we asked questions. Uh, we asked what we thought, uh, what, what the readers thought about Shane Bieber finishing fourth in the American League, Cy or, uh, the American League MVP voting. Uh, it's usually where uh, the, the domain controlled by position players, but uh, you know, rarely does the MVP and Cy Young 
uh, happen in the same season like Justin Verlander won back in 2011. Uh, but do you think Shane Bieber should have finished as high in the balloting as he did? Or did the BBWA uh, voters blow it? Got a couple of responses here. Uh, let's jump into them real quick. If I can. There we go. Uh, from the 216 area code, I'd say he was in the right place. I wouldn't have been surprised if he had received a first place vote or two since he was so great. Uh, this one says, I thought he should have finished higher. And another uh, responder says he earned it. So there you go. A couple of uh, a couple of folks who, who have been following along and, and wanted to respond, uh, supporting Shane Bieber for, for getting as many votes as he did uh, for those 173, what, 173 points, one better than. Uh, yeah, I think you're out. Yeah, I think, you know, Joe, this is another case where if, if we had had a full season, we definitely would have got a better read. If, if, um, if uh, a Bieber had kept pitching at this pace or let's say he wins what goes 23 and three or whatever, you know, and, mm -hmm. you know, pitches two, 200 plus innings and over 200 in, uh, strikeouts, I think uh, we, we may have seen him win both awards. Do but, you think, uh, do you think if it were a full, do you think if it were a full season, well, I, yeah, okay, you said that, but uh, do you think Bieber won the Cy Young within his first three starts of the year? I mean, after those first three starts, it was his, his award to lose, right? Oh, I thought, yeah, definitely. You know, the opener, what, against Kansas City? Then he Kansas City, 14 strikeouts, <clears throat> and then come back with 13 and eight innings against uh, uh, Minnesota, those first two. Yeah, I mean, he was so dominant, and, uh, and he just really kind of never looked back after those two starts, and you know, he was ready. Uh, he had trained, you know, he had, he had found a way to uh, navigate through, you know, the, uh, the aborted spring training in March and then uh, spring train, stay in shape and come back for spring training too. And, you know, he hit the ground running and it showed. Okay. A couple more topics to get to before we cut you loose here today. Uh, I just wanted to mention the Marlins today named Kim Ng, the first female general manager in baseball history. So a pretty significant uh, hire by uh, Derek Jeter and the Marlins uh, hiring uh, Kim Ng, who's got more than 20 years experience uh, in baseball. She started as an intern in Chicago and, you know, moved her way up through the ranks, worked in, in New York with the Yankees, worked in the commissioner's office. Uh, this, is, this is a person who a lot of people thought would have been a GM already. Uh, but uh, the move finally happens today, and it's a pretty significant one. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, records, you know, this is, uh, you know, kind of uh, what a barrier-breaking hire of a woman mm -hmm. as, a, as, as, you know, leading a baseball operation, a, a baseball team as a head uh, baseball uh, decision-maker. Uh, you know, and, and you're right, uh, Kimming uh, definitely has, has the chops. She works – She's worked with the White Sox, the, the Yankees, the Dodgers. She had a long time in, in Major League Baseball. So uh, in the Major League Baseball front office, she really, uh, she knows what she's doing. And it's going to be, it's going to be exciting to see how, um, how, you know, just what forward steps they take now. Uh, the Marlins, you know, the Marlins came out of nowhere to make the postseason. And this is another uh, forward thinking move by uh, Derek Jeter. Yeah, we'll see how that works out. Speaking of, uh, front office jobs, I guess, uh, uh, Indians, uh, 
president of baseball operations, Chris Antonetti. Uh, who knows if, if, if other teams are, are starting to take a look, starting to sniff around. Uh, you have some, uh, some information on a possibility there. Yeah, um, you know, the Angels reached out, uh, you know, according to Ken Rosenthal from The Athletic, the Angels, uh, one of the GMs they reached out to talk to a potential GM uh, was, was Chris Antonetti, the Indians' uh, president of baseball operations. Uh, they were rebuffed, uh, but uh, Rosenthal went on to, to write that uh, Antonetti could be a candidate with the Mets, uh, you know, they, that the Mets may, uh, you know, have some interest in him. And if I was the Mets, I would be interested in, in Chris Antonetti as well. What a, what a change in neighborhoods that would be, uh, Joe. I mean, oh boy, that's, that's like going from the, that's like going from the, uh, the outhouse to the mansion in terms of uh, uh, budgets uh, to, to, to have control over. Uh, would would Sandy Alderson still be the GM, or would 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 he have a different role if if Antonetti were to I go there? I think Sandy Alderson is is the top baseball guy. He is okay, but he's looking for you know a director of baseball operations. Uh, he's looking for a whole front office because they cleaned out there. Right. So they, 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 he's looking for a director of baseball operations, a uh, a GM, and everything. You know, I'm sure director of scouting and all that stuff. So you know, I'm I'm sure they're they're looking to build a front office. So. You know, Antonetti would be a great choice, but I, you know, I talked to Antonetti a while ago, uh, and I did not get the, ins the 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 impression that he, this was a guy that was looking. I, I think he's he's so he's deeply connected with the with the with the Indians with this front office. He's put this team together. I think this is a guy that's committed to winning here. You know, not just winning here, but winning a World Series here, and I. Would he leave that? I don't know. And and these are, you know, he's he has said these are going to be the, the most difficult situation this front office has ever faced, his team has ever faced financially since you know he's been here and and uh, just for, for, from the money they lost over the uh, winter over the the season here because of the pandemic. So we'll see. But uh, I would be I wouldn't be surprised if if the Mets, um, you know tried to interview him. You know, I'm sure he has had chances to interview with other teams. The Cardinals almost hired him years ago. So, uh, you know, this is nothing new. You know, when you're very good at your job, you get offered other jobs. I would be surprised if he left, though, but <laughs> I've just, been surprised. I'm easy to surprise sometimes. Just the ability to, to retain the talent that you develop, maybe it, it would be something that would just be attractive to him there, you know. Uh, not having to worry about uh, whether or not in three or four years you've, you've got to have the conversation about, well, how can we afford Shane Bieber? Uh, it, that wouldn't even be an issue with uh, the new Mets owner, Steve Cohen, sitting on $14 billion and, uh, you know, to be a member of that organization, uh, probably one of the more attractive uh, openings in, in all of baseball right now. Uh, all right, Hoinsey, it's another, uh, another week uh, under wraps. We, uh, we have a Cy Young winner. We, we went through all the, the major awards. Uh, I guess what's next on the, on the horizon for us is maybe uh, the endless Hall of Fame ballot talk, and that, that, that could begin rather soon, right? Yeah, well, you know, next uh, we've got, uh, you know, November 20th next week, they've got the uh, – they have to set the roster for the Rule 5 draft. So they've got to set the 40-man roster. All teams have to do that, and that, that's, that's usually a lot of – the non-tender date. 
Yeah, a lot of roster manipulations going on there. Then uh, there's no winter meetings, but uh, will they do the virtual winter meetings? I don't know. (laughs) I I, don't know how you do that. Are they going to set up a camera in front of a staircase and let Scott Boris just talk? Is that going to happen? Yeah, yeah, right. (laughs) I'm I'm just wondering because he's going to need to have his say about the state of baseball. We're, we're, We're sure to hear about that. All right, uh, Hoinsie, we'll, we'll keep in touch, and hopefully next week we'll come back with some special guests to talk about not only the awards, but, uh, you know, the future of the Indians and what the roster could look like. We'll talk to you again soon on the Cleveland Baseball Talk Podcast. Yeah.